Race matters. 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 Welcome back to Race Matters. I'm Sarah Khan, joined by Darren Lasagas. The Dream Team is back at it again for this week. As per usual, before we begin our show, we would like to acknowledge and pay our respects to the Gadigal peoples on the lands on which we are meeting today. The Gadigal peoples have been a part of this land and landscape for 80,000 years before us, and they are still here and thriving and being the resilient group that they are today. So we want to thank and acknowledge them for allowing us to gather here on these lands where we can hold our Race Matters show. The Gadigal peoples will always be here before and after us as well. And doesn't matter where you are, where you go, it always was and always will be Aboriginal land. This is Race Matters, uh, where people of colour speaking with people of colour and exploring the ways we understand and value our racial identity. Today, we're going to be speaking with Abdul Abdullah, seventh generation Muslim Australian artist from Perth, now based in Sydney. Uh, you're probably very familiar with his work, which spans across painting, installation, photography, video and performance, and embodies what he describes as being an outsider among outsiders. Um, Uh, In particular, he's interested in the experience of young Muslims in today's Australia. Yeah, it's going to be really exciting. So we're going to unpack exactly what that means. Ahead of his appearance, speaking at Vivid Art After Hours this Wednesday night, other voices in conversation with Omar, Musa and Akenyo. This is Race Matters. I'm Darren Lasagas, uh, Sada Khan also here, and we're joined in the studio by Sydney-based artist Abdul Abdullah. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, g'day guys. How are you? Very well. Pretty deadly. Good, good. So um, you've described yourself as an outsider among outsiders. Can you unpack a little on what that means? Well, I figure, so the idea of an outsider for me is if you talk them and us, the outsider is the them. And growing up as a Muslim in Australia, I've always felt like the them or the, that not just minority group, but that marginalized minority group, that vilified group. So in a popular imagination, the bad guy. And it's something that permeates through our like our current political context, through the election, every time I go through an airport, like all these sorts of things. Even buying stuff online, I have to like send my, um, a copy of my passport and stuff like that. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a day-to-day thing. Wow. Wait, so you have to send a copy of your passport when you buy stuff online. What particular, like what purchasing, like if you're purchasing something overseas? Yeah. So what the most recent one, I'll, don't mind me saying, but I was just buying stuff off ASOS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and then they sent me an email said that I've come up on a list. So I have to send them a, a copy of my passport. Otherwise I won't get it. Um, and bizarre stuff like that happens all the time. Going into new countries, the first mm. time that I go is always a pain in the ass. It's not like a poor bugger me story. It's just the conditions that mm. it is. But it's like uh, like the first time I went to the America. I've only been to America once, but the, when I went there, the first time uh, going into New York, I spent three hours in a security office by myself while they buzzed me about my military record, which I don't have one, but it's just because my name popped up yep. on something. 
Yeah. Yeah, the same thing, um, like, just bouncing off that my dad, like, whenever he was coming back from Pakistan, yeah. we would always be like, okay, we're not going to, um, we never pick him up on time because we'd be like, he's going to be at immigration for a while. He's always the last one to come out. So he, like, flight time would be this time, but we wouldn't pick him up till an hour after. <laughs> oh, totally, <laughs> totally. one time yeah. he got let out on time and he was so angry. <laughs> he was like, where are you? He's like, you don't ever show up on time. Like, they hold you behind. I think it was someone that was Muslim working in immigration. No. <laughs> Oh, one thing with customs that I've only found out in the last year is that what they can do is they can go through your phone and all your photos and messages. And no you, way. And they, you have to let them, otherwise they keep your phone um, until they can get into it. And like um, the first time that it happened, I was so shocked. And I was like, I can't look at my pictures. There's stuff that's not for anyone in there. And they were like, oh, have you got porn or something? And then they dug right into the, the depths of my photos. So if you're traveling, keep that in mind. Don't have anything <laughs> sus on your phone. <laughs> Wow. The, um, God. Racial profiling is probably at its strongest on border security, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how do you kind of navigate those notions of belonging when you're living as, like, you're living as part of a settler society on stolen land? It's a curious space to be in, like, and and not ever feeling comfortable. Well, one of the things about being an artist, I think, is that, I don't know if this is going to sound wanky, but the idea that you are kind of accepted into all strata of society. Like, as an artist, you find yourself in very, very strange places, whether you're dealing with, like, politicians and very, very wealthy people to your friends and your family and everyone else, but also being uncomfortable in all of those spaces. And I think having a creative practice is a good way to articulate that uncomfortability across the board and just being uncomfortable in Australia. Like, I'm a seventh-generation Australian. Been My family's been here for 200 years but it's not ours, mm. so it's something to keep in mind. It's something to acknowledge as well. Yeah, and so has that connection with your ethnic cultural heritage always been a part of your life, or was it something you had to work really hard at? Oh, I reckon when I was younger, especially, and when I was doing undergrad, and when I was in high school, I was just like, uh, I was a bit, uh, a little bit angrier, I think, in the way that I'd articulate myself. Like I didn't have the words, mm. and I'd just be really, really frustrated a lot, and I couldn't really put a finger on why as in grasping with your own identity or yeah grasping yeah. on my own identity grasping with uh how people were reacting to me the um just going to shopping centers and being treated a particular way when my other friends and weren't being treated that way so it was something which i was coming to terms with and it wasn't really until i was in my mid-20s that i started to think about it a little bit more in depth like i was interested in politics before i studied art i studied journalism uh, i thought i was going to be the next john pilger but mm. it, it didn't didn't work out that Me way too. yeah yeah <laughs> it's pretty amazing still time yet for both. Still time. <laughs> but it, it wasn't until uh 2011 when i painted walid ali in the archibald and i started to get hate mail which is a really strange experience mm. for an artist not many visual artists cop that sort of thing uh, that I was motivated uh, with the help of Walid himself who kind of talked me through it uh, to respond to this sort of thing creatively with my practice like play to my strength as opposed to get angry about it and through my practice I was uh, able to articulate some of those anxieties and initially kind of ham-fistedly and naively I would just talk about the, the positives of someone like me or people in a similar situation but that shifted again when I was like nah stuff that I'm going to talk about how people perceive me and how that's wrong and how I can challenge that narrative. Mm. And that's something that's persisted, although the work has changed recently again into a more, not softer, but a broad, I speak with a broader language now than I used to. 
Yeah, I think that's a really beautiful notion as well because when we had Nyuka Gori in a couple of weeks ago, mm. uh, they talked She's a legend. about... Yeah. <laughs> and Nyuka spoke about anger and how anger can be something really beautiful when it's employed properly. Mm. And anger is everything. It's really... She, and like Nyuka was saying, that anger is actually love. It yeah. comes from really a place of love. And I think it's something that speaks quite a lot to people of colour, especially artists. Oh, totally, totally. The way that you use that and the way that you channel that can be so constructive uh, if you don't let it burn you up, I guess. Yeah. Well, that burning is an energy. If you, can, if, yeah, if you can funnel it correctly or can funnel it positively, that's a good thing. Yeah. And have you found that painting is the perfect medium for that or do you, uh, <laughs> you kind of uh, branch out uh, when you find that painting maybe not? Oh, so yes and no. So yeah. I'm in the, in the privileged position now where I can find an idea and then find the best way to articulate that mm. idea or the best way that I think I can articulate that idea. So initially I was all about painting and then I branched out into working with photographers and photography and then more recently embroideries and performance and like all sorts of things. Um, but now I've kind of come full circle and the last year all I've done is painting and I really enjoy that process. It can be really boring, but uh, the outcomes I really, really love. That sounds really funny to say really boring. <laughs> I'll just to give a bit of context. I'm painting these big oceans at the moment. And it's just, it's a lot of blue. We were talking about it before and it's killing me. But it's, yeah, it's good. The outcomes are good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's Abdullah Abdullah. We are talking uh, other voices here on Race Matters on FBI Radio. We'll be back with some more chats after this from One for Needs a Language Warning. This is The Message. Do not wish to receive this call. Please hang up now. This call is originating from the correctional complex. With Telly 14 from the Western Sydney, up in Ramon on that lockdown. Free Freddy, free Levy, free me, free Vondo, free Justin, free Jeff, free the 70, free the 14. JM, I'm a 14 veteran. Boss on my hood because I back my section. When I met the streets and slapped that thing, lad, I knew I felt my obsession. Had me running the ball, no question. Swear any op I saw, I pressed him. Either sell YP or Lex, couldn't leave his chest without no injection. 14, we've been putting in work since knee high, them days on the curb. Now I'm proud to say to this day forward that the 7 put it up on a shirt. Just fill up the car and urge, got fingers on hips watch ops disperse i back my shank and you pull yours and seal will take off first hey. don't, don't whinge and cry like me so mako grip and ride have your team all wet and wild right where my crew bring clips and slide want to talk them clips and try this is a different side you boys just bitch and hide come out and ride for your friend because someone got dipped and shh someone got dipped and shh mm. Get down when I grip that steel, hands up when I bring that hammer. Come through while I pull that ching, have your head face down like a Southwest ganger. 1-4, we ain't got no manners, only if you test my crew. If you ain't a part of this beef and you want to talk shit, you can get some too. See me eating well, pull down my chin for my show and tell. Call me Festus when you hear the bell, I'll be wrecking ops like I'm wrecking Ralph. We on the block so there ain't no fouls, I'll be scoring points when I kick him out. I'm on the road and it's getting loud when you see me approach like another route. I'm on the high from the ganja, my sticky can put you down these ups are broke and affiliate that I tough to go half on a bumper The cocker got me feeling jumpy Roll the dice and got stuck in Jumanji Getting triple digits like I'm Scotty Pippen We've been in the kitchen, Golden Ramsey Ooh, now that I'm down for the 2 double seven no. Done for my set, you already know Knocking them down like the dominoes I know that they know that Spenny's about to blow All of my dubs coming in the road But I'm still writing raps on my rack and phone 
Retaliation is a must. I know maybe ifs or buts. Nah. We took numerous trips around there, but lad, that's something I can't discuss. No way. I don't wanna end up in cuffs. <gasps> we heartless, wrong or right, regardless. Yeah, I'ma back my blood. Scott got and he left his eyes on shit, and he's still out talking tough. <laughs> they don't know about taking risks. Them big lads, they ain't made for this. We invest in shanks and shivs, and if there's beef, we take him trips. I can't call them ops, like we beefing flops. I got friends looking at ten. You watch yours get put in a box. Put in a box. Who wants smoke? They don't want smoke. Trust me, mothers, them boys ain't ready. 21 what? But one got knocked. Ha, I guess that makes them 20. Free up Freddie and Lebs. Plus, my co is Deacon Chef. Making moves what them boys follow. Playing these games like Simon says. They call me Chingy, not cause the way that I squint my eyes. When things get iffy, then I'm known to wave and just swing my knife. When it goes in them, then I push the blade a few, few more times. 2 7 drill them, them boys victims, they don't ride, just bitching lie. We twist up while them boys just dancing. Strictly shiv and shank him. Push that sword like captain. Step on deck and flank him. Too much talk. But no action. They came for women. I'm not here romancing. No I'll use anything just to get the win. I don't take no chances. Don't step on the field because weapons are still used to play this game. Don't believe in your home because setting a stone is where you'll see your name. If I lack when I'm out, then I stomp till I see his brains. Leave these pavement stains. I do it again and again. Do it again and again. <laughs> That's reckless shivers. If it's done by me, so be the YP, then lad, there ain't no difference. None. Don't pull out for decoration, this thing goes all linen. That's vicious drillers, opposite victims out on a mission, souls are missing. I love just fucking twisting. You're listening to Race Matters on FBI Radio 94.5, and you just heard 1-4, the message as chosen by Abdul Abdullah, who is speaking in conversation at Other Voices this Wednesday night at the After Hours at the Art Gallery in New South Wales. Abdul, tell us why you uh, chose this 1-4 track. Ah, they got Omar Musa introduced me to them, and Hal from the hip hop show has been looking after them. Sorry, I don't know if I should say that, but like, that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) And man, I listened to the track, and it gave me like a. Like pins and needles, the first time that I listen to it, when that yeah. beat drops, and yeah. it's amazing hearing those voices, and then you compare these voices, who are really authentic voices, to the hip hop that was being made in Australia in the early thousands. Mm. Like, I don't want to diss anyone, but no, like, diss, yeah, diss. <laughs> you compare <laughs> these voices, and they're like, oh, one's real and one isn't. You yeah. know, they're not talking about bus stops and catching trains. They're talking mm. about, yeah, some some real stuff. And they just they released an uh, released another track on YouTube last night called Spot the Difference, which is also a banger and my not so secret hobby is watching youtube like uk youtube channels reacting to the message and how much they love it and how much they love it in the drill scene there which i think yeah. is fantastic that yeah. crossover yeah do a mount jewel proud those boys uh abdul i find your art finds connections through uh, a multitude of cultural cross sections uh having been raised in perth and coming to sydney how have you come to understand the concept of Western Sydney versus the greater uh, greater Sydney? Well, I joke around that I'm from Perth, the real Western Sydney. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, it's not at all. It's Western Perth, Sydney. But, yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's not like Western Sydney. But, um, when, one of the reasons that I moved to Sydney, I came over to the East Coast to do my postgraduate studies and I went to Melbourne first, just on a, like a recce trip and went to a few studios and got a particular vibe. And then I came up to Sydney and by chance went to Parramatta Studios in Western Sydney and was immediately met with so much love from some uh, one of the hosts here, um, David Capra, who does Canvas on Sundays, and then Tom Polo and Jody Whalen and Heath Franco. And that type of 
feeling and that the fact that we all went for dinner afterwards at an Italian restaurant. And also, I lived in Sydney a little bit when I was a kid. I lived in uh, I lived in Bankstown for a while and went to Malik Fahad Islamic School. So coming back to Western Sydney and seeing also art centres outside of the centre, I really, really enjoyed. Like Melbourne's pretty centralised when it comes to art. But here it's coming from all sorts of different voices and seeing that Western Sydney voice, uh, it's good for the soul. It is. We've had um, a few Western Sydney based artists come onto the show as well and it's really quite important and powerful because it shows how Western Sydney is a really separate collective of its own in terms of how many people of colour and minority groups uh, all join each other and segregate and collaborate together in that spaces but they all do so with quite a lot of respect and regard for the First Nations land that they're on and the First Nations community as well and when you see that real collaboration there amongst like people of colour and our shared similarities in our histories the art that comes out of those spaces is quite like it's it's something that i've never really seen before oh absolutely yeah and the western sydney spaces are something that like i think you need so much more investments in those spaces and i was also just thinking like because such a large portion of sydney's population and there's a big sense that like all of those spaces are really othered as well by the cult like by cultural elitists so why do you think that is why they other? Yeah, like why they like there's a like you get these kind of elitists that kind of other those spaces in a way. So why do you think there's that that notion put on them? It's a, that's an interesting question. It's quite a difficult one. I I think in my optimistic state, I I hope that it's generational. In that, if you go to a space like First Draft, which is right in the middle of the city uh, on Riley Street, an artist-run initiative. You go to an uh, exhibition opening there and it's diverse. Like who they're showing is diverse, who's there is diverse. But if you go to those more established galleries, they're, like they're not, not at all. Like who they're showing, who goes there, it's not the case. But I feel with the strength of Western Sydney art, I feel the, the, those, the strength of those diverse voices and who they're getting on boards at these younger spaces, I feel a shift and I, I hope that that's the case. And I, you know, and I think there's a lot of, uh, especially young people working really hard to, to achieve that. When I look at the older generation, I kind of don't care as much for them. I mean, like, I'm ages. Like, if they're older than me, I mean, <laughs> like, like it's like kind of too late for that generation in a way. Like, yeah, that sounds very pessimistic, but I, I think the, the future is in the younger people and the way they're going to shift it. And I'm, I'm not going to wait around for the older people to get on board. Yeah, there is a very strong... Um, shift in that and I think it's something because you know we get that kind of sense of like look to your elders respect your elders 100% we should mm. but also there's a lot of things that were created like pathways that have happened because of our elders but there's a new wave of thinking now and a lot of that thinking comes from kind of abolishing systems and dismantling systems do you kind of agree with that yeah totally and there's but there's a long hard way to go and mm. I'm and I'm talking I can talk specifically in visual arts there's what you're up against is is pretty crazy it's funny that the people that fund and pay for the visual arts have almost a polar opposite political position to those who make those art and have that practice so it's a really strange space to navigate um but uh, yeah i don't know how to exactly to articulate it but it's it's your butt heads a lot mm. and um how has art changed your relationship with your racial identity I gave me a platform and a voice, like absolutely. When I, when uh, when I was studying journalism and I was writing my own pieces, I was 
in my early 20s, mind you, but people weren't, what I found, people weren't that interested. They just wouldn't read it, wouldn't give it the time of day. And when I was younger, I tried to make some really bad political hip-hop, which <laughs> maybe that's why I like oh, One Four so much. That's why we should have been playing. Yeah, oh, no, 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 no. Coming up next. <laughs> but then, <laughs> but I, I found with having an out practice, um, for whatever reason, uh, maybe it was the type of access points that people had or there was a mystery in it, uh, people would give it time and space and sit with the work and sit with what I was trying to say in a work for a whole lot longer and give recognition to those ideas yeah. where they wouldn't otherwise. I guess this is the, the flip side to that question is, uh, Abdul, when did you realise there was power in your race? Oh, I'm very proud of my heritage and it's not anything that I was ever concerned about i was mostly pissed off at how people perceived it mm. if that makes sense so i always felt there was power in that i used to joke around uh that i was a eurasian sensation and and keanu reeves was king of my people and <laughs> but it was funny talking about these same like I lived in Melbourne in 2009 to 2011 and having these same conversations that weren't being had there at the time I'm not claiming any type of exclusivity over that conversation but I found there was so much more resistance to talking like this while now in Melbourne and in Sydney these conversations have moved on and it's there is power in that there is strength in that and I can really appreciate it first of all this is Australia uh, we are not Islamic um We've also uh, been, we've had this imposed on us. If they don't change their ways and start um, acting as patriotic Australians, they deserve what they get. You never catch me alive, fuck that, I'm going down swinging. You want me to assimilate, don't want to fit in. To a highly polished sheen of Australiana dreams, why would I be part of a colonial regime? Deep, deeper than my own grave, 90 years ago would have been buried with no name. White Australia policy embedded in the veins of the great southern sham. Transition and notes handwritten to a future beyond the ambition. Plant seeds, a grand vision of righting the wrongs we found. Fire. Tell me what you see. Do you see no evil? Hear none either. I dance like Ali. It's a fight to be equal. We all just want to be free. They want me to assimilate. Assimilate. They want me to assimilate. I'm not a man to intimidate. You're looking dusty. Time for you to ventilate. This is for the dreamers, model minority achievers. Think you got it safe if approved for a visa. Eager to please, but you put your foot wrong and they go into a seizure. Take it to the cleaners, then they talk about the hand that feeds you. Remember, it's also the hand that beats you. Until you go home, even though it's your birthplace, it means that they didn't think you was in the first place. Can't fool a man like me. Fuck respectability, big balls. 5'10", dark skin, I swim through the mainstream like a shark fin.